Legend has it that it was written by the Dark Ones. Necronomicon Ex Mortis. Roughly translated, Book of the Dead. The book served as a passageway to the evil worlds beyond. It was written long ago, when the seas ran red with blood. It was this blood that was used to ink the book. In the year 1300 AD, the book disappeared. Sheep's uh, sheep brain. Mm-hmm. I am super stoked on it. Hmm. So it was only it. It was thirty five dollars plus shipping. Are you gonna eat it so you can gain the sheep's knowledge? No, because it. What's probably, the point? It's all bitter tasting. Yeah, the best things are bitter though. Like your love. Yes, and and beer. I wouldn't know about that. Yeah, Moxie. you're a straight edge freak. Yeah, Moxie. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so. I, but Vic said I'm not allowed to use it for minor threads marketing. <laughs> Even though it's a sheep. Yeah, I mean that would be pretty cool though. Yeah. Just uh, you know, have it out on a shelf or whatever and just be like yeah this is this is a sheep's brain our logo is a sheep um and that's about the only connection yeah pretty much also if you eat it you can gain the sheep's knowledge yeah so, and i will give someone money if they do it no no because then i would feel i feel like i'd be held liable and would be able to be sued for that um my cat anyways just, my cat's not gonna leave me alone tonight Gosh dang it. Kick her out of the room. Kick her out. Get out of here. Fuzzy, go do work or something. Get out of here. Get out of here. All right, so welcome to Casting of the Fringe. uh, Here with your motherfucking Fringe boys. Um, I'm Nick. And I'm Joe. And we sound a lot better now. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. We're almost kind of fancy professionally yeah, yeah. we don't want to so. go too fancy um because that's D- just we're diy not that until life. you die yeah diy until you die yeah yeah we ain't no sellouts <laughs> um and unless somebody wants to sponsor us in which case we will sell out for that hey if moxie wants to sponsor us i will take that yeah um so today we are talking about grimoires um and grimoires that that's a funny word let's let's break that word down uh first you got grim which means dark evil and then you have war and what what is that good for Um, absolutely nothing oh i did not know that um (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, no, but so the actual definition of a grimoire is kind of loose. Uh, generally, a grimoire is a book of magic that contains instructions on how to create magic objects, along with instructions on how to perform divination, spells, and charms, and how to summon supernatural entities. Pretty um, much, pretty much all the books that they are that are read at Hogwarts. Yeah, I mean, if it's a, a, those, if it's a Hogwarts book, it's a grimoire. Yeah, like um, the. Um, their monster manual that was actually a monster Mm -hmm. um that's very similar to like uh the necronomicon ex mortis from the evil dead um and there's a video game i've been playing a lot called um vermintide um it's it's basically the game is a lot like left for dead but in a skyrim setting um but in the levels there are grimoires hidden um, and when you find the grimoire, um, you get the grimoire curse, which, uh, takes your max health down a third, um, for each grimoire you find. And the grimoire like, they're, they look like they're bound in flesh and they have like eyes on them. Um, I think that's actually what might've inspired me to, to do this as, as an episode. Um, but the, the etymology of the word is officially unknown, but many have speculated that it shares its root with our English word for grammar, as well as meaning a book that is difficult to understand. I think that is like the French um, translation of the word. Um, and generally, grimoires are written in Latin. I don't know if that's like a staple of grimoires, if they have to be written in Latin, but generally they are. Um, it, no, because there's one that we're going to talk about that is not in Latin. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it was a French one. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but they're, they're mainly, all of them are mainly like a European descent. Yeah. There doesn't really seem to be many that are anywhere else, like from anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. And just mainly just European. Um, so the first one that I came up with, I actually don't know if it would be considered a grimoire per se. Um, so it's called the Copial Cipher. Um, and it's a manuscript with over 100 pages comprised of 75,000 handwritten characters entirely encrypted in ciphers. The manuscript was originally believed to date back to the late 1700s, but the decipherment in 2011 revealed the creation of the document in the 1730s by a secret society who called themselves the High Enlightened Oculist Order, or the Oculists. Um, um, so, have you have you looked them up? Did, yes. Did you look them up? I originally, I actually wanted to do an episode on just them. Um, it's, it's very strange. Um, I guess like the, the, um, correlation between the Oculus and like the meaning of the word occult, like they both, um, have very similar etymological roots. Um, but basically the Oculists were what we would now call optometrists, um, huh. 
yeah. Are they, they still? Is this? Is this secret society still I around today? I don't think so. I couldn't find any information on if they were still around today or not. Um, okay. I think they they were pretty much. Um, it was kind of like a, a certification of a true optometrist. Um, so the 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 cipher itself um, laid out. A bunch of rituals that were masonic in origin um and it laid out instructions for certain eye surgeries and practices as well as how to single out charlatan occultists because evidently it was a really big problem back in that time for people to like just go around um picking at people's eyes yeah just like saying that they could fix your eyes or you know just things like that and then they would just like cause people to go blind I feel like I don't know all medicine was like that around that time. I mean, like, yeah, there were there were a, a lot of people like selling like snake oil and you know tonics and things like that. But that was you know that was just part of that time. But I mean, there were actual um, learned men who could perform certain surgeries and things like that. And um, one of the uh, practices that it details is actually how to single out a charlatan. Um, where you would basically um, trick the person into thinking that they had done a surgery. Um, it was it's it the way it's written is is kind of hard to understand, which I guess makes it a grimoire. But um, I did find a PDF of that, and I was reading most of these. I found the PDF of, and I read over them. Yeah, actually, um, a lot of these you can find on you can find PDFs of them, or you can just find them on Amazon. Yeah, so the next uh, grimoire is the Cipher Manuscripts. So the Cipher Manuscripts uh, are a collection of 64 uh, folios or papers uh, containing the structural outline of a series of magical initiation rituals corresponding to the spiritual elements of earth, air, water, and fire. In... The eight, in 1888, the Cypher Manuscript became the first order of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Um, so these people, actually, so the main write-up of this, I got from the Golden Dawn website. So these people are still, this is still a, uh, a secret society. Yeah, I'm pretty sure today. that the... Um... The Golden Dawn was uh, where Elister Crowley got his start. Is it? I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Um. So, oh. Um. Wayne, when is that? When Westcott? Uh. When Westcott. When Westcott. Uh, was a coroner and a uh, ceremonial magician. Uh, what is that? The Theosophist. What is a Theosophist? It's kind of like a um, a mysticizing of a bunch of different religions. Um, okay. What's her name? Helena Blavatsky created Theosophy. Okay. Um, and he was a Freemason who lived in England from eighteen forty-eight to nineteen twenty-five. 
uh, he was Supreme Magus uh, or chief of this, what is this? Society? Societus Rosicruciana. All right. And it's a Masonic order. Um, and then he went on to co-found Golden Dawn with these people, uh, with these ciphers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when claimed to have obtained these manuscripts from, <laughs> I cannot say this dude's name. Uh, Adolphus Frederick Alexander Woodford. Yeah. So AFA um, Woodford, he was a career military man who also later on became a Mason. So Westcott knew uh, Woodford and Woodford said that he found this manuscript in a secondhand bookstall in London and then he he gave Woodford gave Westcott this manuscript and he decoded it and the uh the decoded manuscript is what led to the Golden Dawn. Um and then while they were being while they were being deciphered, there was an ink mark on the cotton paper and it was dated around 1809. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did not look up a lot about this one, so. Yeah, so uh, like I said, most of that is straight from Golden Dawn's website. Right. Um, what is it? They have a terribly long name. It's, what is it? Golden Dawn Ancient Mystery School.com. It's just a terribly long URL. Um, but yeah, so they have like all these cool things, and you can they have a Facebook page and buy stuff from. Um, I'm guessing that it's part of the Masons as well, and they have they have all sixty they have all sixty ciphers on their website that you can go check out. And it has like the key to decipher everything and everything. So it's pretty cool. Um, it looks like in the cipher, it um, has a the ranking of um, angels, um, which is kind of weird, right? One thing about these, most of these grimoires, if not all of them, are there are mainly like made up from a like religious um christian perspective like a lot of them will contain like prayers to god or like um praises um which is is not something you would expect from like a book of magic yeah and even if you look up grimoire um it mentions sacred texts like religious sacred texts mm-hmm. like the Bible that are not classified as uh, grimoires, but mm-hmm. are still like kind of in line with them as well. Mm-hmm. Because a grimoire is going to tell you like, Hey, you need to do these things to achieve this outcome where I guess like one could say that's kind of what the Bible tells you to do as well. Yeah. 
So uh, it's um, and then ultimately it, a lot of these were destroyed by Christians during certain movements where they were trying to get rid of um, any any remnants of magical texts and things like that. Um, so the next grimoire is the Black Pullet. Uh, it's also known as the Black Screech Owl or the Hen with the Golden Eggs. Um, it is written in the yeah, first... So, some of them have like a lot of different names. Yeah, which I, think I mean, really most fun. of them, yeah. Most of them have multiple names that they go by, which I guess is from it being so old and from it reaching out to so many different cultures. Um and I guess they'll translate the names different ways. Um, but this one is written in the first person. It's kind of like a, a story um, uh, in which a French soldier in Napoleon's army is rescued by uh, an Egyptian elderly mage who teaches him the art of creating talismans. Uh, and a talisman is an object, typically an inscribed ring or stone, that is thought to have magic powers or bring good luck. So, so the the rings from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I guess it's, I've always thought of a talisman as more of a necklace, um, but uh, and I think when I was looking through the PDF of this text, it looks like they are two separate things: the talisman and the rings. Um, then they kind of go together. Um, so to to like cast one of the spells in the book you would have to have the talisman and the correlating ring so um, you would have to insert one into the other nope not like that S- slowly no there's different back, there's back it's, and forth it's kind of like um fuzzy shut the fuck up <laughs> okay i'm gonna go put her in my room real quick i'll be right back Okay, so it's a lot like Doctor Strange. I don't know if you saw that movie where he uses that ring um, and like he makes different hand motions to do different spells. That's actually a lot like how the Black Pullet describes the casting of spells. Um, it contains 22 uh, talismans and rings which are to be made in silk and bronze steel, respectively. Um, Contained within the book are the directions for engraving the talismans and rings uh, and the rituals and mantras to accompany the spells. And I was actually, like, they actually have, like, the detailed drawings for each one. It was really cool. Um, And some of the magic powers the talismans can imbue are winning a lottery, conjuring celestial and infernal powers, uh, finding lost or hidden treasures or secrets, mind reading, commanding or sorry, command over the elements and animals, teleportation, opening any lock, and uh, proficiency in alchemy. Uh, So the next one is the Sworn Book of Honoris. Translated from Liber Uratus Honori, 
It is one of the most influential texts of medieval magic. In its prologue, the book claims its purpose is to preserve the core teachings of the sacred magic in the face of intense persecution by church officials. Um, the book is purportedly written by Honorus of Thebes, a possible mythical character who has been linked to both Pope Honorus I, uh, who was Pope from 625 to 638 AD, and Pope Honorus II, who is Pope uh, from 1124 to 1130. Um, and this this book is not to be confused with another magical text called The Grimoire of Pope Honorus, um, which is said to have been written by Pope Honorus III, who is Pope uh, from 1150 to 1227. And this one is actually very religious in nature, containing multiple Bible verses and references and countless p- prayers and blessings to the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Um, and it contains the instructions for safely conjuring and controlling demons, as well as protecting oneself from any harm the book might bring forth. So this one is, this book is not very nefarious or it's, it's, aim is not to be very nefarious um it's kind of just like instructions on how to control things in the name of god i guess um and like the first the first half of the book is just like um referencing bible verses and just like praising god for things it's it sounds like something that priests doing exorcisms would read yeah. and utilize. Interesting. Um, but I think that one is believed to be in the Vatican. Uh, this next one's, this next one is in the Vatican as well. Yes. And they've actually, so, uh, okay. The Grand Gormar is known by other names, including the Red Dragon the Dragon Rouge and the Gospel of Satan. And the Grand Grimoire dates back to 1522 AD, though it's not known if it was copied from an older text theorized to date back to around 1200 AD. Hmm. Uh, The Red Dragon Grimoire was discovered in Solomon's tomb in 1750 and has since been owned by the Vatican. Um, And the Vatican has come out and said, Hey, we actually own this, but they don't allow public viewing of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the text is written. This, I don't understand. It said, it said it's written in either biblical Hebrew or Aramaic. Yeah, I meant to ask about that. Like, I guess that might be like a, it's theorized to either be in Hebrew or Aramaic, um, because the the Vatican won't let it be um, viewed. Uh, so the text actually contains two parts. Um, the first being the instructions for summoning uh, a demon or Lucifuge Rufocal. The commander of demons. I probably did not pronounce that right. Um, as it's well better as better than I, better than I would have pronounced it. As well as instructions for building tools with which to force a demon to do one's bidding. 
Um, the second part of the Grand Grimoire is made up of two parts in itself. The Sanctum Regnum, or Reg- Regnum, Sanctum Regnum, Sanctum Regnum. I'm going to go with Regnum. Uh, the Sanctum Regnum and the Secrets of the Magic Art of the Grand Grimoire. The uh, Sanctum Regnum contains the instructions of summoning and controlling a demon without the tools categorized in the first section of the book, but it creates creates a much greater risk to the caster and i actually could not find information on the second part of that without reading the book and i did not read the book i guess i might have to order one from uh barnes and noble yeah i think that would be pretty cool we'll do a follow-up maybe as an extra yeah Yeah. in two years when i actually get around to reading it Um, but I think that might be one of the most well-known grimoires. Well, this one did come up a lot more in my researching. Like every, I would pull up lists of like famous grimoires and this one usually was always on the list. I, th- I think it, it is the most well-known because it contains the instructions for summoning like Satan himself. Or Lucifer himself, if you prefer. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can do it. Yeah. Well, let, let me know what happens. Oh, I'm pretty sure when it happens, you will know what happened. Why? If if Lucifer comes to Earth, well, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's not just going to be like a, hey, let's hang out and go get like smoothies or something. I'm pretty it, sure it might be. You do not know if he likes smoothies or not. I would assume that he probably does like smoothies. Um, but plus, if you're summoning him, he's not just going to be like, "Okay, I'm here now. Let's fuck it up." Like I he, mean, I would. Hey, I made this. <laughs> I made this trip from the underworld. Might as well cause a ruckus while I'm here. And also, uh, he doesn't. According to biblical texts or biblical beliefs, he doesn't actually live in the underworld. He is constantly roaming the earth like a lion. Read a fucking book, Joe. (laughs) The the next book is another French text uh, called Petit Albert. Um, So if you look up... If you look up the... uh, The translation... it translates to lesser Albert. I like that. Or or little Albert. Also, if you make the same mistake Joe did and mistake the Google search bar for the Pornhub search bar, you're gonna find something completely different. Oh yeah, you're it's a weird I mean I didn't click out of it right away. I'm sure. I, I, st- I'm sure I stayed there. I stayed there for a little bit. Um, so the Petit Albert is believed to have been published in 1706, and it was inspired by the writings of St. Albertus Magnus, a 13th century German scholar who was later canonized, that means made a saint, uh, by Pope Pius the Eleventh. Yes. Um, and among many prayers and spells, this grimoire contains the instructions for making the Hand of Glory which is a candle uh, which will render the user invisible. Um, So the way a a hand of glory is made 
is you take the right or left hand of a felon who is hanging from a gibbet beside a highway, uh, wrap it in wrap it in part of a funeral pall, and so wrap. <laughs> this is so hard to understand. Uh, wrap it in part of a funeral pall, and so wrapped, squeeze it well. Then put it into an earthenware vessel with zimot, nitra, salt, a long, and long peppers. Uh, the whole well powdered. Powder that thing up. Uh, leave it in this vessel for a fortnight. Then take it out and expose it to full sunlight during the dog days until it becomes quite dry. If the I su- feel... I feel like if you go to Target with this shopping list, someone's going to call the cops. <laughs> yeah, can I, I get some uh, Zymate, some Nitra, some salt and long pepper? Oh, oh, and do you have do you have an earthen vessel? <laughs> Where are your earthen vessels? <laughs> um, so if the sun is not strong enough to put it in an oven with fern and... It, fuck. If the sun is not strong enough... Put it in an oven with fern and vervain. Next, make a kind of candle from the fat of the gibbeted felon. Virgin wax, sesame, and pony. I don't know what that is. Uh, and a, use the a, a pony. You have to cut up. No, a it's p o n i e. And use the hand of glory as a candlestick to hold this candle while lighted. Um. And then those in every place in which you go with this baneful instrument shall remain motionless. Spooky sounding. Yeah. So this is a tool, a tool for theft. I mean, if you walk around with a flaming hand, like a mummified flaming hand, I think some people are going to stop dead in their tracks and just look at you. So, yeah, it's going to stop people from moving. Well, yeah, but the thing is, like, they, they they can't see you. That's the magic of it. You can go anywhere. Uh, I don't. You can sneak into Spencer's gifts, steal I, any gift you want. No, get yourself I a nice never, a nice ribbed I, dildo. Perhaps. I never want to go there ever. Actually, I think you can buy this one on uh, Amazon as well. The so, Hand of Glory. Maybe. Let's see if there is an eBay listing for Hand of Glory. Okay. There are a whole bunch of Yu-Gi-Ohs, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Um, okay, so I just I just read that pony, as we mentioned before, is horse dung. Yes. Yep. So if you look up Hand of Glory, there are a whole bunch of fidget spinners. Okay, well we're done with that one then. Um, so the Petite Albert was a part of the Bibliothèque Blue which was a period in France between 1602 and 1830 where books were very inexpensively reproduced and bound in blue paper, which is where they got their name. Neat. Yes. Um, so this next one, which is um, one of my favorites, I think, in this story, or in this episode, um, is the Book of Soiga, also known as Alderea. Uh, and it is a 16th century treatise on magic, 
One of only two still existing copies is believed to have been owned by the last royal wizard to the queen, John D, who I think we should do an episode on one day. Um, the grimoire, written fully in Latin and cryptic symbols, consists of 147 pages of incantations and instructions on magic, astrology, demonology, lists of conjunctions and lunar mansions, and the name and genealogy of angels. Um, so John Dee, he was like a, a royal court wizard, but he was also like very religious, and he believed that his magic was like... A godly thing for him to do and uh there was one part in his life where him and his uh friend edward kelly which wasn't technically a friend of his but they summoned this demon or what they thought was an angel but turned out to be a demon and they both like got scared shitless and were like we shouldn't do this anymore (laughs) um Okay, so uh, also contained in the book are 36 large squares of letters that Dee was unable to decipher. Um, and according to the legend, John D, along with his advisor and scryer, it's always good to have a scryer, uh, Edward Kelly summoned an angel, Uriel, to ask about the book. Uh, D asked the angel the significance of the book, and the angel replied that the book had been revealed to Adam in paradise by angels, and it could only be interpreted by the archangel Michael. Um, so is it, is this the same angel that they thought that they, no, no. Oh, so Uriel is an actual, like, huh? Well, so multiple times that they had summoned angels. Yeah. There's a lot of times where they summon angels for, um, guidance and for, uh, finding out information about certain things. Do you know how the church feels about this? like the current day church I mean they would probably just call him like a heretic interesting so in um, 1994 a scholar named Deborah Harkness um, actually located the manuscript in uh, the British library and along with Jim Reed's uh, uncovered the mathematical formula used to construct the tables um, and identified various errors made by the manuscript scribed, and they believed that these errors were due to it being copied over and over again, um, being derived from an, an even more ancient text. Um, it could be that their um, deciphering of this was, was flawed, but... Um, it could also hold true that that being um, written down over and over again in different languages, it could have lost, or not in different languages, but by different people, the um, the symbols could have <clears throat> been changed over time. But it's it could be true that it could only be interpreted by the Archangel Michael. You never know. Maybe one day we will find out. Yeah. Um, so you read the next one. This is this one's actually my favorite of all of them. All right. So Codex Gygus, also known as the Devil's Bible, is a book believed to be written in the early uh, 12th century by a single monk in one night. The Codex is the largest surviving European manuscript to date. It contains almost the entire Latin Bible, the Hebrew, Greek, Greek, 
in Slavic alphabet and the list of the members of the monastery. Yeah. Uh, um, so the legend goes that a monk who had broke his vows, his monastic vows, was sentenced to be walled up alive. To avoid his punishment, he swore to write a book in one night to glorify the monastery forever. Near midnight, knowing that this task was impossible, the monks summoned the fallen angel Lucifer, trading his soul uh, for help finishing the codex. Uh, to thank the Lord, to thank the devil, the monk made a detailed illustration of Lucifer in the book. So part of it, not only was it a book to glorify the monastery forever, he also vowed to pretty much everything known to man up until this point, he said he would put into the, uh, into this book. But it's also only like, it's less than 200 pages. It is a very, so, yeah, not but, but the writing is extremely small. Um, there's a ton of illustrations, um, including, uh, the illustration of Lucifer, which is kind of creepy actually. Um, but I mean, definitely impossible for one man to do this in one night. Yeah. Um, it's extremely fancy, fancy, um, looking. <laughs> I actually really like the picture of Lucifer. He, he looks silly. He, he looks he like looks, he looks like one of the creatures from uh, Where the Wild. Kind of, yeah. I would be friends with him if that's what he looked like. I mean, but that's just me. But also, it doesn't really say what vows he broke. Um, and being walled up alive, dude, that's creepy. Yeah, that would suck. It's quite a death sentence. <laughs> um. All right, so we have one more. Do you want to read this one? Sure. Okay, All so right. this one is probably the most well-known of any grimoire. Um, it's called the Clavicle of Solomon, um, also known as the Key of Solomon. Um, and it has unknown origins, but was most likely published in the 14th century Italian Renaissance. Uh, this grimoire was most likely inspired by earlier works of Jewish uh Kabbalists or uh, Arab alchemy, but it's also very possible that it inspired both of those. Um, this grimoire was written as a guideline from King Solomon to his son Reboam, um, and it is split into two books. The first contains conjurations, invocations, and curses to summon and constrain spirits of the dead uh, and demons in order to compel them to do your bidding. And this kind of goes along with a story about Solomon where he had summoned a demon to um, help him build Solomon's temple. Um, he had a ring that he had to um, control the demons, basically. Um, and somewhere down the line, the demon tricked him and took the ring and threw it into the ocean. And... Um, basically he, he exiles Solomon, um, and sends him to like an island, I think. 
um, he the, the ring like washes up on the shore. So he goes back and go, he goes to confront the demon and the demon had like, the demon was impersonating him. Um, and he was able to defeat the demon with the ring. It's strange that Solomon has connections to multiple, multiple grimoires. And yeah, they're like a Christian staple. But it's just it's just strange that yeah he had all that this money and he had he was known for his library but it's I don't know I still find it a little strange. Um, well, actually, um, there's a category of grimoires called Solomonic grimoires, which most of the ones we talked about fit into. Um, and Tell us about that. Okay, they're basically grimoires that um, seem to be inspired by the Key of Solomon or follow the same kind of practices as the Key of Solomon um, in like summoning demons to do your bidding or controlling demons, um, but from a religious perspective, I guess. Huh. So yeah, that's that's what we have written down for the grimoires that we mm-hmm. that we researched. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to add to this? So there are a ton of other um, grimoires, um, and if this interests you, you should check out the book "Grimoires: A History of Magic Books" by Owen Davies. That's actually where a lot of the information for this episode came from. Um, there is also the website, uh, grimoire.org and it has, it's a grimoire encyclopedia. And then it also has like demons and spells lists, which was very helpful. Like both you and I found it like by ourselves. Um, it's pretty interesting and there's a lot of grimoires listed on this site there also again we mentioned it at the top of the episode but almost all of these you can find on on amazon or at barnes and noble so that was really helpful oh and then uh if you type if you just google search grimoires there's another website called sacredtexts.com and they have a list of different grimoires and like audio recordings of people reading them. There's a lot of information out there that you can either read or look up. So, yeah, but uh, let us know what you thought about this episode. Um, either comment on our SoundCloud or email us. I'm going to actually start a Twitter so you can tweet at us. Um, yeah, that is not going to be me. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do it. Um, and that's at Fringe Boys uh, with a Z on Twitter. Um, also, let us uh, tell us how much you like our new sound quality or just... I don't know. Reach out to us. We'd like to hear from people to know that we're not doing this for no reason at all. Yes, please like like us, rate us 
on iTunes or Google Play. Um, subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, tell a friend about us. We we actually somebody um, the other day had told me that somebody told them about their podcast about our podcast, and I was like, "Oh yeah, what'd you think?" And they were like, "Oh, I didn't listen to it. I didn't want to creep on your podcast." And I'm like, "We need creeps. Yeah, so creep please, on if us. Know any creeps? Yeah, creep on us hard." Yeah, and speaking of creeps, uh, today's creepy pasta is called "I'm Here to Deliver a Warning," and it is by Braden Powell. I'm here to deliver a warning. A few years ago, my friends and I were out walking in the woods. Jim, Mark, and I had all met at school in accounting and were brought together by our mutual dislike of our teacher. There was a really great bit of woods a couple miles out from my house. One day, Jim had the idea to go exploring there. Mark and I agreed, of course, as we loved spooky things. So there we were, in the woods lost. The sun had gone down half an hour ago and I'd lost the map. We were all sure that if we just picked a direction and kept walking we'd find our way out. It was a pretty small area after all. After a while we came upon something strange. A log cabin stood alone in a small clearing. So small in fact that one of the walls were up against trees. The roof was gone and the walls were burned halfway to the ground. Mark suggested that we go inside but I wasn't so sure. I reminded him that it was already pretty dark, and that we could always come back here tomorrow. He reasoned that we would be hard-pressed to find it, and with that, we moved to the door. At first the door wouldn't move, but after a few good kicks it came off its hinges. Mark led the way in. The walls were scratches of something had tried to get out, and the little furniture that was there had been overturned. A small bed was on the far wall with no mattress and no sheets. I found a lantern and some matches hung up on the wall, so I lit it. I was glad to have some light. That is, I was glad until I saw the cabin. The walls were covered in blood, lots of it. The walls were splashed with it in different shapes, as if someone had been ripped to shreds. There was a long streak of it heading towards the door, but stopped about a foot short of it. We all just stared at it for a moment, and then we ran. I dropped the lantern in the cabin, sending it up in flames. As it burned, we ran as hard as we could. It felt like an eternity, but we finally burst out of the woods and onto the road. We ran all the way back to my home. From there, Jim and Mark were able to call their parents to come pick them up. That was the end of it. Or so I thought. The next day, Mark called me and told me to meet him at the warehouse, because he had something to show us. I agreed to come quickly and hung up the phone. The warehouse was an old meatpacking plant a couple miles from the center of town. It had been abandoned after a couple of the employees had been murdered there. One of them had been the owner's son, so he couldn't bear to work there anymore. He closed up shop and tried to sell the plant. No one would buy it though. They were too scared by the murders. I rode my bike down there and met Jim outside the door. We went in together to find Mark inside sitting at a table. He had a book in front of him, the cover half burnt and blackened. He told us that he'd found it in the cabin yesterday and pocketed it. We were curious to see what was inside. Mark told us that he'd read over it a bit, and that it was a grimoire. 
When we asked what a grimoire was, he said that it was a manual on how to do magic and rituals, summon entities from beyond and whatnot. It sounded pretty cool, so we asked what we had to do. Big mistake. Mark wrote some stuff on the floor in an arcane language and stood up. He lit some candles and told us to stand around the writing in a circle. We turned off the lights and did just that. He then took a knife and cut himself, grabbing the blade with his left hand and pulling it across with his right. We watched as he then placed his hand on the ground and smeared the blood across the writing. Standing up, he handed us the knife. Jim took it and did the same before handing it to me. I hesitated, but I eventually took the knife and copied. Mark opened the grimoire and started chanting in a strange language. The candles went out and I couldn't see a thing. I blacked out a moment later. When I came to, I was in an office. I got up and looked around, figured out that I was in the supervisor's office of the plant. I looked through the windows and what I saw horrified me. Jim had his chest ripped out and his entrails splashed across the floor. Blood was everywhere. Mark was hanging from the ceiling by his intestines. I couldn't take it. I threw up. I ran home and went straight upstairs to the bathroom. I showered, washing the blood off of me before stepping out to look at myself in the mirror. I had a few deep gashes across my arms and my face was cut up pretty bad. I called the police to go and have a look in the warehouse, telling them what had happened. A little while later they came to my house and arrested me. I'm on death row now. I'm writing this as a warning to everyone not to practice evil rituals. Some things were not meant to be messed with. It turned out that Mark had hit a camera in the warehouse with the intention of capturing what happened. I was shown the video during the trial. I had just bent down to smear blood on the ground. Mark had opened the book and started chanting. The candles went out. What I saw next will haunt me for the rest of my short life. I walked over to the table and picked up the knife. Jim turned and asked me where I was going and I responded by plunging the knife into his chest and repeatedly stabbing him until his organs spilled out. I then turned my attention to Mark. He wrestled the knife from me and attacked, slicing up my face. I acted as though I couldn't feel a thing and knocked him out. I cut out his intestines and climbed up a ladder to the ceiling where I hung him, still alive, from one of the metal beams. The rest of the video was him screaming as he slowly died. I can honestly say that death cannot come fast enough for me. Please, please, do not make the same mistake I did. To this day, that book has never been found. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God dang it. Um, but alright. So, we've been cast into the fringe. Now remember... You can shove your secrets up your ass, but we're going to find them anyways. <laughs> I like this a lot more. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>